everybody comfortable? Um, if you want to come to the front rows, we could see your faces even better, right? <laughs> okay, nobody's going to move, and I know it. All right, everybody, I'm Jefferson Graham with USA Today, and this is not just a Dig South conference session, but it's also a live recording of Talking Tech, where today, again, we're recording the show from Charleston, South Carolina, from the Dig South conference. Now, you know that the world of tech revolves from California, which is home to the biggest brands like Apple, Snapchat, Facebook, Google, Tinder, Yelp, and so many others. But real estate and the fight for talent is pushing folks to consider other places to start their businesses, places like Austin, Texas, Seattle, New York, and Boston are across the biggies. So why not Charleston? It's a hugely popular tourist spot with warm weather, amazing historical buildings, great food, and lower cost of living. Money's tighter. You're under the radar of the tech press, and clearly... Let's face it, it's going to be a lot tougher to become a household name from here, right? Let's find out by talking to four veterans of the Charleston tech scene on today's show, and we are going to meet our panelists. We'll start with Kristen Ferguson, Ferguson right? Ferguson. Yeah. Okay, Ferguson. Okay, Kristen Ferguson is VP of Marketing for Boomtown, a company that makes software for real estate pros. Matthew Goff, did I pronounce that correct? Okay, good. It's not Go. No. Okay. Matthew Goff is the chief Echovator at Echovate. He's got people analytics software, which is uh, his take on a new way of doing performance reviews, which he will tell you about. Will Jameson, let's have a big hand for Will because yesterday he finished his class schedule. <laughs> He's going to be a college graduate. He also, in his spare time, is also the chief marketing officer for Stream, S-T-R-E dot A-M, a mobile live video app that's competing with the likes of Periscope and Facebook right here from Charleston. And finally, Stacy Shelley is the VP of Marketing for Fish Labs, a firm that helps organizations protect against their cyber attacks, targeting their employees and their customers. So thanks, everyone, for being here. I'd like all four of you to start off for the people listening at home, paint a picture of Charleston and what it's all about. All right, so I think we have a, the mics, are these on? Okay, great. Um, so Charleston is one of the loveliest cities in the world, and I am a former Manhattan uh, person coming down here, spent a little time in Charlotte, which felt like a bit of Novocaine for four years, and then into Charleston, which I felt like is just this amazing, um, beautiful city with a lot of smart people young talent, and kind of a fresh view on life. So I moved uh, from New York about two years ago, and one of the deciding factors for me was what was going on in the Charleston startup ecosystem. And everything from the energy that it brings, the openness that the community sort of embraced me when I showed up here, and then you have these amazing restaurants and bands and bars, and so you have this whole really interesting cultural element too that I don't think you can get anywhere else. It's an awesome spot. Will? So I came here growing up in Atlanta originally, uh, big city, uh, loved it there, and one looking at colleges to go to, College Charleston was spot that I wanted to go because of the city. The city makes it. Um, it's right on the beach. You have amazing food. You have amazing culture. People are so nice. And I always saw myself being an entrepreneur. And in the, in the, the area, it was, it, was a, it was growing. It was developing. And it's getting the name Silicon Harbor. I still think it has a long way to go to earn that title. But it's in the right, right spot. And I want to help it, can position it to keep that, keep that momentum. Stacy. 
So I, I think it's really all about quality of life in Charleston. You've got great, thriving tech community, and there aren't many places, I think, on earth where you've got this type of tech community, and you can still, you know, 30 minutes within leaving work, have your toes in the sand and the beach. You, you can't really do that anywhere else. Where I live. I live in Manhattan Beach, California. There are a lot of tech it's, companies there? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, two places on earth. But the rent is a lot cheaper here. Oh, yeah. The rent is right? a lot cheaper, so you can uh, do some other things. Buy and a you've kayak, got some amazing buildings, too. Let me give you some numbers, which I uh, stole from Steve Warner, uh, who was one of the panelists yesterday. Five, techs, five tech exits over $50 million. Blackbaud, uh, Benefit Focus, um, ATD, Spark, and Pure Cars. And Mr. Spark is in the room. Wave your hand. Say hi, Eric. Okay, he's, he's hiding. He's hiding, but he is here. Um, $100 million venture funding over the last five years uh, to companies like People Matter, Boomtown, Zubicar, Verge, and Fish Labs. Uh, Boeing is uh, building an IT center, and uh, Mer Mercedes and Volvo are here. And uh, I think I heard the number, I'm not sure if it's correct, but that um, 11,000 tech workers in the area. Does that sound right, everybody? Yeah. Okay, we got we, we got Charleston right here, sitting in the front row. Any other numbers we should know about? Uh, fourth in the nation for growth in high tech GDP. Okay, fourth in the nation for high tech GDP growth. growth. Okay, but this same woman in a nice a blue a top <laughs> asked me a question in the previous panels: What would it take to make put Charleston on the front page? Right? What would it take to get Charleston up there with Austin and uh, and some of the, the second tier, right, Portland's of that world. What about our panelists? What do you think? I think it, you need a brand name. I think you need a hot consumer brand name, like, like look what Yikak has done for Atlanta. What do you guys think? I'm not sure that it's um, consumer, although it is interesting because there's so much B2B over here, and I think just as a representation of the companies that you're mentioning, um, they're, they're focused on B2B. Some of them have consumer. Um, but I think Charleston is actually um, an interesting city in that the culture of it is a bit humble. And I think that that has a lot to do with the way these companies are presenting themselves in the markets. And they stay very local. They're very tight. And I'm actually coming from a media ad tech world. And I think there's a, a general lack of um, marketing themselves in the industry to bring them out in the way that I think could um, represent Charleston as a So as you're a saying they're city. shy. They're shy. Okay, it's the southern Agreed. way, right? Yes, don't, exactly. Don't draw attention to yourself. Absolutely. I believe that. What does the chief echovator say? I think it just is going to take time. It's going to take companies like Pure Cars or Spark that sell. People leave those organizations over time. They start their own companies. They grow. More venture capital comes into the area. You know, there's a cycle that happens there, and it just, it just takes time to run through a couple of those cycles and you're gonna have, you're gonna go from five exits over 50 million to 25 exits over 50 million and that's gonna continue to grow and grow and grow. I think it's just gonna be a timing issue. It's not, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when in Charleston. Will? I, I agree with Jeff, and I think it's going to have to take a, a household name, a sexy consumer brand to really get the name out there uh, for people to be talking about it. Is media right now in tech is, I like to refer to as the Silicon Valley circle jerk. Everyone just talks about what's going on there. And no one really pays too much attention to what's going on on the outside. Um, you have to either have a relatively big fundraising round to get the attention of the tech crunch, used to today, people of that nature, or do something that's really disrupting and causing a problem, whether it be from innovation or just 
actually causing a problem. Um, and the consumer brands are typically the way to get there. Uh, more people want to work for them, kids coming out of college. Uh, they want to work for something that's hot. They know, they use um, all the, the B2B stuff we're doing here. I think it's great. But it's great talents working there, but it's not where the, the young innovators want to go work. They want to do something that's cutting edge and bleeding, and they want to see their company on the map from a media perspective. So how do you get them on the map? You, you just have to have some hot young kid come up with a great app that gets people talking about Charleston? No, they can be. They don't have to be a young kid. They can, it can be anyone. They just, uh, I started making apps when I was 16, um, so I'm passionate about starting early in. But You're now 18, right? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I get younger 15 now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so it's the, the one thing is networking a lot of people from the outside, I think, is really important. So I... Charleston's really well located too, and I can fly direct to JFK and back in a day. I do that often. Um, building relationships outside of the Charleston community and then bringing them in here, something like Dick South does, is I think really big for it, big for the whole city in general, because more people then have the ability to see that, hey, we're, we're doing all these really cool things. We're not, no one's really talking about us yet, but they can be. And I think it just requires more of an initiative uh, from people that live in Charleston to bring people from the outside in to uh, get the word out there. I think too, just to add one quick thing, I think by getting that venture, that big venture capital firm, it could be that hot consumer tech startup, or it could be a Google Ventures that comes in and writes a $10 million check or something like that. That's going to be, I think, a big notable moment when that happens. Um, we today, we get calls probably every week or every other week from VC firms that want to track us, and Charleston's not a barrier in their minds, uh, which I think probably five years ago, that was not the case. But as we have these, these successes around Charleston, I think the venture community is starting to sort of catch up with what we're doing. Okay, why was it a barrier, and what changed? Well, I've been here for two years, so I can't really go, go five years back. But I think that, again, the cycles, and it takes time, where you're not going to sell a company typically for $50 million in a year and a half or two, right? There's, there's going to be a certain amount of time that's going to take. And so I think simply... The tech community is still new here, and it's been growing and growing, and we're still, um, we're still in that sort of early phase, mm -hmm. but we're starting to see the effects of the seeds that were planted five, six, seven, eight, ten years ago. I actually um, think that there are two things going on. First, um, Boomtown did take some venture capital in its history in 2014, and one of the reasons that we took it was not to um, – enlist rapid growth that was setting us up for a purchase or a sale, but instead to invest in our own business in a methodical and thoughtful way, we didn't actually let the um, VCs take a controlling stake in the business. And so this idea that we can create a bubble or a, you know, a path to a lot of rapid investment, I think is something that even in the community we're saying through the CRDA, that's not, um, that's not kind of what the business of the areas focused on, that we're looking for actual um, investment in long-term growth. So I, I think that's important to point out. And I think f for folks like us, when we have um, Susquehanna, <coughs> excuse me, and Axial um, as partners, I think that we look at them as they were interested in leadership, they were interested in experience. And I think that that's something that over time, you know, is brought into the area. I'll agree with both of those. So we just went through a round of funding toward the end of last year. And, you know, we talked about Charleston and kind of the pros and cons of that. And to our investors, it really wasn't a big deal. And I think part of that is what you were saying. A lot of the organizations here and the startups and the businesses that are being built in Charleston aren't looking for a fast exit. They're not 
Charleston's not yet a very transactional area from an equity perspective. Why don't you talk about the cons? What's tough about being here? Certainly you don't get the money to California yet. Sunshine so on the beach. There. Staying focused. Too much sunshine, huh? <laughs> sunshine, beer, beach. It sounds like Venice, where I come from. Okay, and that, that has turned into one of the big tech capitals. Uh, despite the rising rents, real estate agents try to, try to get companies to go in other areas, but they said all the tech employees want to be at the beach. So you have the same thing here, right? Yeah. It's not really a con. <laughs> it's not a con. It, the pace is different. Coming down from New York and coming from MLB Advanced Media, we were, you know, just driven. It was just nonstop, and I was actually looking for a, a different type of lifestyle. And I find it really refreshing. People are have a long-term view. They're focused on the day-to-day, -day, but it is definitely um, get out in the sunshine and enjoy it, which I okay, actually Okay, so it's appreciate. a slower pace. Slower pace. So people leave work at 5? Um, it depends on the scenario. I mean, I don't think everybody's leaving at 5, but I think um, the culture is just a little bit more laid back in terms of potentially how many hours are put in, potentially the type of work. I mean, we were doing Saturday 6 p.m. conference calls with Bowman, and I think he probably still continues okay. those Okay, but well, let's face it. If you're trying to get uh, a company to move here, you're going to say, great location, it's a place you want a vacation, the buildings, the food, the beach is yeah. amazing. You won't get the press. You, you'll, you'll be under the radar, mm -hmm. very far under the radar, yeah. right? Yeah, and the money will be harder, um, right? I, I think the... Um, that's changing like the compensation and the way people are approaching it now as the businesses become more healthy and the investments are coming in. So um, certainly um, cost of living is less, so you can take a little bit of a you know different view of your own finances. But I bought a surfboard this year because I'm gonna learn how to surf at 43. You know, <laughs> this is where I'm going. So it's um, you know, we're still driving really hard and we have a decade old business that is competing with Zillow and competing with Placer, and we have to win every day. Um, but with a mentality that there's a, a lifestyle and a, a people-first type of business. I wouldn't totally agree with that because I feel like, um, I mean, we run really hard and really fast every day. And it's every day we have to get up and make sure we don't die. And I don't know if that's, you know, potentially coming from the Northeast, but, you know, the employees that I have are, are from here and they're grinding, they're coming in on weekends, they're working late. But the alternative is you can also go and play, and you can do cool things, and you can blow off steam and sort of get your head straight for a little while by going to the beach or going downtown and things like that. Um, so that's, again, just, just with an Equivate. Um, and then I'd also add, too, and I think this is maybe a con, um, but it becomes a pro. Because there's not the venture community here yet, it forces you, so that's the con, but it forces you to be a lot more fiscally disciplined in your approach to running your business and scaling your company and things like that. I think that's a really good thing because you know, you're not getting caught up in the hype of tech crunch and whatever else is out there. In California, I am continually amazed at the money that's thrown around. It's um, unbelievable. I think, I think it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Will? Uh, I think one of the cons, uh, especially starting a tech company in Charleston right now, is um, the lack of young developer talent. Uh, College of Charleston doesn't really have that rock star computer science engineering thing to start driving kids and recruiting and hiring people to build your company out and bootstrap it from essentially zero dollars. Uh, we can pull from Georgia Tech if we want to, but it's uh, harder. That it's not the same as being based in San Francisco or Venice, and you can pull from UCLA, Stanford, Berkeley. 
Um, I think that's something that really needs to happen. I think CFC needs to go all in on their computer science program if they really want in the city if they want to see that develop. And not only in computer science, but I think software engineering is a, a separate thing because what they're teaching you in school right now is not practical to the daily life of a software engineer. You're being retrained from day one um, as soon as you get in there in the workforce because not many startups are building operating systems. That was the exam I took yesterday. <laughs> so nearby Atlanta has a lot more schools, so why should a tech company come here when they can go to Atlanta and get a much wider range of talent? So Atlanta is Atlanta. You can live in the city if you want. Um, I grew up there. I, I personally hated it. I like being on a beach, like the culture. I like still that small town feel. Um, the people are what really make it here. Um, Atlanta, you're doing a lot of corporate stuff, a lot of sales. It doesn't have the same startup culture that exists. I mean, Yikyak's there right now, um, biggest one. Um, it's just really bringing people in. Um, is it a Georgia Tech engineer, too? You're surrounded, I'm just talking from a college kid's perspective, you're surrounded by 80% dudes on a daily basis. College Charleston, three to one girl to guy ratio, and you live on the beach. Uh, I mean, it's not that difficult to recruit an engineer to come here from Georgia Tech if you really want to. You can pay them the same amount. Uh, it's cheaper cost of living depending on where you live and same similar options. Stacy, what, what's the con? Yeah, I think the con is generally if you're, it's mostly talent focused and a lot of that's related to exposure as we've talked about, but what we found is we either have to get people and develop them into the people that we ultimately want and that means planning ahead quite further than is typically ideal for a startup as fast as you try to move and you're going to have to be prepared to recruit outside of the area. You're going to have to be able to recruit Atlanta, D.C., Austin, New York, all these kind of nearby metro areas that have a good talent base to get people, if you need key experience in key parts of your business. Okay. Um, I have to shift to politics for a second because we are in the Bible Belt, and when you're trying to attract talent, the tech industry tends to be a very liberal group. You've had a whole bunch of bills going on in North Carolina, Mississippi, and other places hasn't happened in South Carolina, but how does that affect getting people to come here? Anybody? A silent crowd. Personally, er, all right, so Charleston I don't think is as conservative as the rest of the state in general. It's uh, more modern, and especially with the college. Downtown Charleston thrives on the college students, and it's uh, very liberal, actually, the majority of the college students there are. So I, I can't speak for you guys and your perspective of recruiting. I haven't done too much as opposed to recruiting from other colleges as opposed to um, people with other careers elsewhere that are care more about that. Yeah, I, I haven't heard it come up in our recruiting specifically, but um, you know, it's a different environment. There's, there's a, a, a different general sentiment and perception of the South. I think I agree that um, Charleston is, is definitely on the more liberal side of that. I think Charlotte is not, and I think you can see kind of a little bit of the differences in the, the uh, northern um, aspect of the state, um, but down here, I think maybe just a perception problem, and, and we have to kind of, you know, make that a little more obvious to people. Okay. The other hot button issue has been diversity, and in Silicon Valley, most of the tech workers are male and white, and um, and they're constantly trying to change that. And here we are in a state with 40% black population. So what are we seeing in the workforce here? For us, we have a mix of folks um, culturally and um, you know just generally. I think we're always thinking of that. We don't want to be um, you know kind of pigeonholed in that same vein. So just even on our leadership team, bringing in women, um, we do even have a, a, a male sales leader who's black. It's not something that's um, looked at in our own business as 
how do we diversify? We feel very diversified in our, in our own sense. In the community, um, on the female side, I would just make a shout out to Women in Tech and Carolyn Finch, who I think has done a tremendous job. Um, she's got more than 1,000 women in tech in the organization right now in two years. And that's kind of bringing a highlight to what has traditionally been a gap in some of these other areas, which shocking to me, I was looking at the list and I, I did one of her um, sessions or meetups and there were 200 women right in front of me and I thought, wow, I couldn't even get that in New York to come out into one location, you know, <laughs> to celebrate the Charleston, um, you know, technology community. So I thought that was great. I think just to take a, just a quick step back to the political question, um, I don't think it's a political conversation. I think if you look at Charleston and you look at the shootings that happened here and the way the community came together, there wasn't a, you know, a black-white thing. It was around tolerance and love and being together as a community. And I think that people, at least if you're in the community, not only do you see that, but you feel that. You feel that when you're calling up other founders and CEOs and saying, hey, I need to catch up and have a conversation, or we're having an issue over here. It's a very open community when it comes to that. And, and, and maybe Charleston is, is a bit um, sort of on an island in the South in some ways, um, but it's, uh, I think it's very refreshing in the way people treat one another, the respect, sort of that love and tolerance. Okay. I think it's time to open up to some questions and get the audience involved. And before I do that, um, please take some photographs and please tweet out. I should have said this earlier, but please tweet them out because I'm going to need some photographs to uh, re retweet. So I'm on Twitter, at Jefferson Graham. Pull out your phones, take some photos, and everybody announce their Twitter handles because I know they want to be included in this. That's right. I'm Cher Chris. At Echovate. Will Jameson, 93. S underscore Shelley with an EY at the end. All right, who's got some hot questions for us? Okay, there's a man raising his hand in a black shirt. Okay, so um, I'm not hearing a whole lot about Raleigh, and Raleigh and Durham claim that they are the startup capital of the South, but boo, one of the things, one of th I'm from Wilmington, I'm from a coastal community as well, so I understand everything you're saying. The question is, what have those five companies that exited with the, with the $50 million exit have they reinvested in the community? So in Cary, there's uh, co-founders capital, which are a, a $10 million fund created by exited entrepreneurs. And that, to me, that's the best kind of fund because the, the funders understand entrepreneurship. So is that happening here yet? So did the money come back into the community and how? It, it has for Echovate, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so Stream. So Stream's current CEO is Eric Bowman, who was the one who sold Spark uh, to Booz Allen. Um, invested in two other startup companies right now in Charleston, bringing it back in. I think that's one of the, the biggest things you can do. Agree to that point 100%. Um, Steve Swanson was the founder and CEO of uh, AT2, who sold to Citibank. He's an active angel investor in the community, too, and bringing it back. I think that a lot of it is people that have successfully built a company and scaling it and know how to do it when it's not in that uh, the industry that's hot and pop in that San Francisco, using their experiences and what they learned and help educate people to do and replicate the same success. And the more that happens, the, the faster Charleston's going to grow. But it sounds like Raleigh's got uh, the schools. They've got that over Charleston, right? Yeah. They do. Duke denied me. <laughs> right? Um, from, the, from the audience perspective, from our friend who asked the question, what do you, th what do you see Raleigh versus Charleston? Well, to be fair, it is three schools. So it's Duke, um, which is now creating an alumni angel fund. 
So if you're an alumni of Duke and, and Duke has some technology, you can invest as an angel, which is obviously it should have happened 50 years ago. Um, NC State is doing some really interesting things that are kind of engineering related and Chapel Hill is uh, putting out some great technology. Um, one thing, well, I don't think that your publications here that spread the news are necessarily getting outside of Charleston. So ExitEvent.com in Raleigh and Durham and then WRAL TechWire are two very well read throughout the state and, and I push it to my contacts outside of the state. So maybe that's one thing that I would suggest that I think Raleigh-Durham does really well is... And, start and bragging, I, start bragging, I, right? The one that I thought you did really well was, I'm curious on how you got Steve Case here to do the Rise of the Rest tour here. I was very jealous of that. I couldn't get him to Wilmington, but um, I'm still trying. So yeah, that, congratulations that, on that, because I thought yeah, that, that was, was a big a, deal. That was in conjunction with the, um, the Harbor Entrepreneurship Center and uh, John Osborne, and, and it was certainly a group effort by a lot of people, but I think that, you know, definitely was a big a big win for us. I disagree, too, on the fact that outside media not reading some of the stuff Charleston publishes. Um, three years ago, Charleston City Paper wrote something up about a stupid app I made. Um, the next day, Mashable 100% ripped the article off word for word, were taking quotes from me, posted pictures without even my permission. So from that experience, I do think outside media does read it. It was on the front page of Mashable, ripped off of charlestoncitypaper.com. And what was that app? It was called Front Flash. It was before you could actually take a selfie in the dark on Snapchat, and it was a work built-in overlay on top of it. It was had a million users within six months, which was pretty cool, and that was the really Kickstarter evangelist to my entrepreneurship career. And where's the app now? Um, cease and desist from Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who's el who else has some questions? Thank you all for being here, and welcome to Charleston. Uh, I'm a native of Charleston, so it's cool to, cool to have folks here. Uh, but very interesting to hear all of what you're saying, um, why, about why Charleston is so friendly and, and why it's good to do business here. Um, and hearing you talk about that, as a native uh, of this great city, I understand Ch Charleston has a very particular culture, and we like to maintain that identity. And so I'm curious as to um, how the tech industry specifically, but, but as we see more and more business startups uh, coming here for, and, and all of the, the low country, not just the city of Charleston, but North Charleston, Berkeley, and whatnot, how um, newcomers, if you will, and we're, we're not trying to reject you, we, we welcome you, <laughs> but how newcomers can understand the history and cultural identity of Charleston and maintain that in all of its positive aspects while still bringing new things to the area. Because you have not been to Venice, California, where all the people Actually, who I lived have. there for years Actually, have been have. moved out because the tech companies come in and they buy up all the buildings and uh, raise, this is what you're concerned about, right? What it, yes, that's a big part of it, yes. Yeah. But as you mentioned, we are we're in the Bible Belt. And right. that, that is not going away anytime soon. We're called the holy city for a reason because we have so many churches all throughout the peninsula. And I think that's been very much a part of why this community has responded to the suffering that we've experienced. And I was born six blocks down the street from, from Emmanuel A. and me. Um, but I think our, our religious and our, our cultural heritage here in Charleston has, has given us 
a very unique identity, which has allowed us to, to so welcome would, folks how, in. How would you feel if these tech firms uh, brought everybody in every Sunday? Oh, we'd love it. Yeah. You're welcome, anytime. Yeah, and I, I would say I started my job the, the week that the shooting happened. And, you know, for me, it was amazing to see the community come together in the way that it did. I was just in awe. I was in complete awe. And I, I feel that Boomtown, um, and I think Nina Magnuson, who's our community manager over there, is here. Um, folks like her do a tremendous job for companies like ours, which want to feel a part of the community and support it. And how we engage after tragedy is really important because we want to grow the community and, and bring people in. And, and even in our recruiting and, and our efforts around community, it's all about Will this person understand who we are and what we're about? And I, it makes a big difference. So we look, we as tech companies look for people who can exist and grow this type of culture as well. Um, and I feel like the work that we did through Nina to support the community with donations, with hands-on help, um, organizations like Enough Pie who go into these local areas. We're in North Charleston. We're going to be opening a new office, but we're moving further north in Charleston to not try to take up the real estate, but create new efforts for the community in concert with one of these organizations. I think that's really important. And I would, I would, I would add to that, the folks that I've met here, it's very deliberate. People want to be here. And this is not a stopover. This is not let's go and hang out for a year and leave. They want to build a community. They want to build companies. They want to create jobs. They want to create opportunities. And you can feel that in the very fabric of how people approach their community and what they're doing every day. I do think that that's always a concern. And I, I think that it will, there will be ebbs and flows of it, right? Sometimes it will be in balance and sometimes it will be out of balance. And I think it's just how the community works together to you know, move to North Charleston and create something different up there and new and, and expand the community. Will? I haven't been here long enough to answer that one. Yeah, Stacy. I think there is some friction between, you know, growing tech companies and, you know, the city and the culture sometimes. And it's mostly around, you know, how do we grow fast and do the cool tech company things and have a really unique culture and that always doesn't, sometimes that collides, right, with the Charleston culture. Um, but I think by and large, uh, right, if you're building a tech company here and you're taking advantage of the local talent, developing the people that you need, over time that's not as big of an issue, right? If you're, that, that's how you become a part of the city that you're in. You grow with the city, grow with the people in the city, to me at least. I would just add real quick, I think that um, the tech community is creating a sustainable economic engine in Charleston. So the next time we have a recession and everybody gets their ass kicked, I think the tech community and the companies here are going to create more stability than tourism sort of falling off because people can't spend the $500 to go away for a weekend. Yeah. How is it finding, a place, finding places, or is finding real estate for you guys? I just bought a house a month ago. Um, what do you pay, Matthew? What's that? What do you pay, Matthew? $9 million. Okay. I live over on the beach. Um, no, you know, I mean, you look around and, you know, real estate goes fast. And, but there's a lot of great, I mean, there's Daniel Island, there's Mount Pleasant, there's West Ashley, there's downtown. But, but for having the companies, if you want to expand, is, there, is it hard to find a place? Is it, there's, there, are there a lot of, you're there's, on King there's Street, There's new you? development. No? My office is on King Street, right. yeah. 
I didn't buy a building for my company. Okay, but you were able to find a place to have the company right there on King Street. Yeah, so we're, King yeah, and there's, and so within Charleston, um, that's another beautiful thing about Charleston. There's Charleston Open Source, there's the Harbor Entrepreneurship Center, there's Women in Tech, there's all these groups that come together. So we are up on Upper King Street at the Harbor Entrepreneurship Center right now. Um, we're looking at going up near where Boomtown will be, you know, uh, in 2017. So there's a lot of, a lot of opportunities for office space. Yeah, speaking for Fish Labs, we're, um, we're on King Street now, and we've got a great location there. It's kind of integral part of that area, and, and it's fun working there because you can just hop right out on King Street, go grab lunch, come back into the office. Um, there are a lot of unique experiences downtown. I think if you're a tech company, you can get some really cool spaces. The challenge with that is going to be you know, any sort of build-out or additional growth around that or customization of that space. Uh, because there is such an emphasis on keeping things historically accurate and maintaining that feel of walking around downtown Charleston. Um, we're part of the Pacific Crate or Pacific Box and Crate group um, moving into the up, upper part of the peninsula uh, early next year, and we're super excited about that as well. Okay. I've been covering technology since 2000. I've been at every tech startup, every, I mean, you name it, I've been there, I've been at Apple, been to Google. Uh, you can't ever get any more wilder until I came to Charleston. Till yesterday, Will took me to his office. Tell them where your office is. It's uh, in a, a pub and a soccer stadium on the Charleston Battery. That was a soccer stadium, he said, a full soccer stadium on Daniels Island. Uh, that's it. So uh, we, Eric bought the, the team after he sold Spark. And uh, it was, we were trying to find office space on where we wanted to move. We were working from beach houses. We were working from our homes, coffee shops. And there is, we were decided, why not work from a pub inside of a soccer stadium? Um, while we renovate the building and have actual office in there. And it couldn't have been a better culture experience ever than uh, sitting in an old uh, English pub, watching soccer games, drinking beer, and running around the field for exercise. And yeah. uh, we're still there. Uh, we had, have like a separate building built off of it now where everyone works in like more of a traditional like office type environment. Um, from finding space, I don't think it's that difficult. It, um, I've worked, I've had offices on King Street, Meeting Street, um, all over the place. And when it comes to scaling and building up, there's tons of undeveloped land um, out in Daniels Island and um, other parts of Charleston area that if you have the money to scale, uh, you can get a space pretty easily. Let's go back to questions from the audience. Who's got a question? Okay, here we go. Hey Jefferson, you touched Hi. a little bit on uh, the gentrification issue, and Stacy, you made some nice comments. Um, do you guys think there's an opportunity with, with what's happening in the Upper Peninsula area and some of the work that the Sustainability Institute and others are doing uh, to, to, you know, create a story that can get out there nationally about a success story about the tech industry working, not necessarily to displace folks, but to help kind of overall kind of lift the quality of life in the community and kind of transform uh, an, a whole area with what's happening down there. Yeah, I think that's exactly what um, our initiative's about in moving into that, that you know, same Pacific box and crate. I think they, there's a different name for the uh, building now. Um, that's, that's the goal, is to work through the community to help bring up that area in the appropriate way and be good citizens and leverage that. I think the, um, the developer who's involved, and Nina, you can correct this if I'm wrong, is um, he developed out the Chelsea market up in Manhattan. So he's got ties to developing one of the greatest areas in Chelsea that supports folks like Google and Food Network and MLB. 
And I think um, having that kind of notoriety and having that kind of experience and bringing that into play with the community and seeing how we can work that together is important. And that's where the initiatives with the local groups come become even more important to our efforts, making sure it's a seamless and growth experience for the community, not just for us. Anybody else? Any other questions in the audience? Okay, front row. Let, uh, let's, we'll try to hear you. Uh, we have a, actually have a microphone coming, so let's record you. <laughs> what, uh, what role do you think the city actually plays in promoting Charleston as you know, the next Silicon Harbor? And are they doing enough? I think it's a critical, you know, critical role. And I think um, the, the local papers, the Post and Courier and folks try to, you know, be very um, forward with that and, and trying to do their job to be good stewards of that message. Um, I feel that getting more attention from folks like Graham and, and bringing in some, um, some of that broader media to highlight the benefits of working here and how easy it is and how much people love it can help us. But I think that's all part of the growth story of where we all are and, and taking these businesses who've had success over the last decade to, to, that, um, to bring that effect outward. And I would say it's, it's the city, but it's also, it's groups like CRDA, Open Source, it's SCRA. There, there's a lot that's going on, you know, sort of outside the city as well um, to help foster a, a thriving tech community. Stacy. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, Charleston's a destination city. We get a lot of coverage for non-tech stuff. Um, there's opportunity there to parlay that into tech coverage. So I think kind of there's a sliver of a doorway there. We just gotta get better at exploiting it. I think you need to have more events like Dig South. What do you think? I'll agree with that. You, I mean, you have to bring people in and, uh, you know, I th as opposed to sending a press release. Yeah, I think um, one thing that could go back to the colleges too. So something that's a really big initiative across colleges right now in general is uh, hackathons and the hackathon circuit. Like uh, Raleigh does a great job, UNC Duke. Um, CFC doesn't do that, but bringing people in for a college hackathon, there's like actually standings nationwide called MLH, it's an actual organization, where schools will pay for students to go and attend these. I was the only student at CFC that would go out, I would typically be the only one from the state of South Carolina. And I think that's something that they can bring in, they can host bigger ones here through the college or through Clemson or to just get people in the city and see what's up and how cool of a town it is. I think we have a question from our friend from the city of Charleston, correct? No, I represent the, the metro area of Charleston. I just want to do a shameless commercial. If you're interested in finding out about living and working in Charleston and tech, visit charlestonopensource.com. It's the one portal to help you connect to all the tech companies, what it's like to live in this fabulous place with the awesome food. Um, so visit it, Charleston, charlestonopensource.com. Thanks. Speaking of awesome food, let's get off the subject for a second. Could all my panelists name one really amazing restaurant and a dish that you pick up? And I'll, I'll, I'll end with where I've been, but go ahead. I love Obstinate Daughter on Sullivan's Island, and I uh, recommend the Frogmore Stew. I can't name one, there's so many. I was at Hall's last night, I was at Oki the night before, Obstinate Daughter, um, I mean, they're all fantastic. It just depends on what you want. And you know, the interesting thing is that anywhere you go, I think the bar is set so high that you can't have a crappy meal. Everywhere you go is good. Well, I was at Hall's last night, by far favorite restaurant I've ever been that's to. That's a steakhouse, right? Yeah. Everything I've had there is the best thing of that thing I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> cream, cream, cream corn. Yes, everything. Um, 
from like people that don't really are like kind of hidden. Um, for a good Sunday brunch that's not halls, I would recommend Pugin's Porch, incredible chicken and waffles. Stacy. Yeah, so I'll, I'll agree on halls. Uh, aside from that, I've got three kids. Anytime me and my wife get out and eat dinner in Charleston, it tastes amazing to not have three <laughs> kids harassing us the whole dinner. Mm-hmm. Okay, Nick's Barbecue on King Street. Is it Nick's and Jim's? Jim and Nick's. Jim and Nick's. But this was Nick's walk-up, they called it. So uh, I had the barbecue chicken plate with the macaroni and cheese. Out of this world. But the best cookie I've ever had in my life, King Street Cookies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who's been there? The peanut butter chippy (laughs) cost $2 for an awesome uh, uh, overstuffed cookie. And they said it starts at $2 and they they go up, right? And your your cholesterol went off like 100 points. Yeah. And then the next day I got the rabbi. That's the name of a cookie. I'm trying to remember. I think it was a chocolate mint cookie. I don't know why they called the rabbi. But oh, and I had the orange creamsicle cookie last night. Okay. One Do I even need to say anything? So you're, 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 doing a, you're doing a cookie yet? tour of Charleston. Yeah, the anyway. best cookies ever. So if we're, if we're talking about desserts now, I, I would like to give a shout to Diggity Donuts, the sriracha peanut butter, mm-hmm. right up there. Okay, and ice cream? You Gelato, want to pick a parlor? Beard Cat, which okay. is attached to, to Obstinate Daughter, so it's kind okay. of... <laughs> uh, I'd like my panelists to look five years down the road. What's the tech scene in Charleston going to be like? Let's start with Stacy. Oh, man. Um, so at the rate it's currently going, uh, assuming a similar curve to where it is now, I, I think you'll see you know, two to three X as many companies down here. I, I don't know what that's going to turn into in terms of transactions or exits, but I'm pretty optimistic for it. I think as long as uh, people that have had success in Charleston keep reinvesting in the city and new startups coming in, I think in five years we'll actually deserve the name Silicon Harbor, um, and it won't be self-imposed title. It'll be something that's actually deserved and recognized nationwide. Hopefully by then we leapfrog the uh, research triangle. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with Will. I think that um, if companies continue to stay here, get funded, exit, reinvest, it's going to be, you know, something different and a better version of itself than it is today. I'll just uh, say nothing more to add because I think that's exactly where okay, we're Okay, but let's say that you're all right. Let's say that many more companies and many more people working here and, and many more dollars. So does that mean that um, the rents are going to go up and the house prices are going to go up and it's going to be harder for, for young people to find a place to live, which is some of the things that mm-hmm. tend to happen? What do you see? I think it's interesting because there's a lot of new development external to the core city and folks, um, folks who are in the area, for instance, um, bringing in like Boeing, working on the the land itself to open up new areas of development have actually helped. So there is affordable housing um, outside of the city and I think that can help grow the area. I do think on the startup nature, if it's the younger folks versus, you know, more senior folks coming to the area, it does create an imbalance a little bit, but I do think that um, additional development work that's going on outside the city helps. Matthew? Yeah, I think you're gonna you're gonna see other areas beyond downtown. You know, I know Somerville is is trying to do a lot. That's gonna become more of its own city um, versus sort of a commuter city. I think you're gonna look at West Ashley and James and John Island, things like that. And you know, if you look at New York City and, and Silicon Alley um, and what that was and what it is, and then what Brooklyn is now, right? I mean, that was just over time that just became a hotbed. Dumbo, right? Yeah. yeah. Will? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think it's just going to continue expanding outward. Uh, to be honest, I haven't really explored too much outside of downtown Charleston because I didn't really have a car until six months ago. So I don't uh, the real estate. But you're working is, on an island. But I, that's right. why I had to buy the car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I live over in Mount Pleasant across the bridge, and um, I don't think there's really any way to avoid as business grows here and companies like us are successful. You know, continuing to raise kind of the floor of the rents and, and home prices, et cetera. But I think at the same time, you're going to see more expansion because, you know, you can get to work here relatively easy. It takes me about 20 minutes to get to work, and I'm a pretty good haul away. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it'll still be, you know, a pretty high quality of life in spite of that raising bar. Okay. Any last questions, folks? I see a hand back here, and the Mr. Microphone is going to come right back to you. question for you actually um that would be me yes yes Jefferson, now that you've um, heard a little bit and experienced a little bit of charleston and seen the growth would you draw any parallels with silicon beach that you guys are known for and google moving in and you know the growth that you've seen in yeah, the, i would venice? not venice um but more of a like salt lake city um uh, minneapolis uh, some of uh, Miami, some of the other places I've gone to that, that are they're trying to build and grow because Silicon Beach has gotten really big. You know, you, you have a company like Snapchat that can really you know become one of the biggest companies in the world. That changes a lot, and I think if you can get a really hot company here like that, not even doesn't have to be as big as Snapchat, but just a, a household name that that would really make a big difference. But what I love is just seeing everybody working together towards building something is inspiring in such a great area. And I think on that note, we're gonna say goodbye. Now this is your last opportunity for a photograph. One last tweet, <laughs> everybody. Okay, here we go. Everybody smile for the camera. Here we go. Okay. And um, let everybody know how to, how to find you. Stacy, tell them again your Twitter. I already cut my mic off. I was getting ready to leave. Oh, All right. No, so, you can't uh, leave yet, Stacy. It's uh, S underscore Shelley, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. Will Jameson, J-A-M-I-E-S-O-N, 93. It's my handle on everything. At Echovate. I wish I was saying at Boomtown. And that, <laughs> at Boomtown ROI is our company one. I'm Cher Chris, S-H-A-R-E-K-R-I-S. I'm at Jefferson Graham on Twitter. You've been listening to Talking Tech from Dig South in Charleston, South Carolina. How about a big hand for everybody? Thanks. Thank you.